Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Welcome to today's show, everybody. Um, we're really excited about our guest today. We've been listening to his music for uh, for a minute here. I recall when I was in 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 school, his first release came out, and I recall wearing that thing out, man. Like that was back in the day when you had Walkman and you had a CD player, and it was just on rotation, 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 and my and my Walkman and my CD player all the time. He's a Swiss-born musician, composer, and band leader. He released his first album, Love Seasons, in 1989, which received several awards and critical acclaim and produced several great songs. He's released 10 more widely heralded projects since then. He's a regular on the jazz festival touring scene and is always able to get the crowds going. Please welcome to the show pianist, keyboardist, Mr. Alex Bunyon. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So you're about 30 plus years into this music career. When you started, was this what you envisioned it would be? Has it lived up to all your hopes and dreams? I didn't know. When I started, it was so new and so, and so unexpected. Because yeah. my, my career choices were going towards being a songwriter and a producer. Okay. But I was on the road with Najee in 1987 when his record company came to me between shows and asked me if I wanted to record an, uh, an album. Okay. They told me, I mean, word for word, they said, well, we made a lot of money with Najee. We think we can make a lot of money with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure. Of course I'll do it. And it all came from that. Yeah, that's cool. I was not looking for a deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, and I didn't, I, I was not, Thinking about my career as a recording artist and being on stage, uh, uh-huh. especially not for 33 years like I have done. Yeah, yeah. So it's really a blessing, and, and it's, it's uh, by always be prepared Yeah, and trying to stay out there. Yeah. From there comes longevity. Yeah, no doubt. I, that's a great lesson, that preparedness is, is what leads to longevity. You know, I was just having that yeah. conversation with a young person who wants to be a singer. And it's cool, your story, because I think it's so cool that, you know, like, that's a part of that preparedness, too, because you never know when an opportunity is going to hit you, right? Like, you know, to have somebody between a show say, hey, we want you to do an album. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So with such a long career and so many accomplishments over your career, Mm -hmm. how do you keep the fire burning? How do you keep creating and being fresh and being, you know, at the top of your game? Well, I can tell you, I can be very candid about that. That's, yeah. I've been so, uh, so creative in the last uh, six years. Mm-hmm. Here's because uh, I have a six-year-old daughter. Okay, and, okay. So th- this has been taking a lot of my time, especially during COVID. We, uh, yeah. I was the primary uh, caregiver because my wife kept working, okay. even though mostly at home, but she kept working. Yeah. And I I had all, all the gigs for the year had been just cut off, cut, canceled. Oh, yeah. Home with the kids. And uh, it's been uh, really hard to, to try to, um, to do something creative with these kids. But, but uh, I have much less time than I used to. I used to have the whole day to myself. Yeah, yeah. And when you have the whole, every day to yourself, you can, uh, you can really uh, come up with some cool stuff. 
but I've been I've been able to kind of like uh, be on the crutches a little bit and uh-huh. come up with ideas. Uh, <laughs> I'm very uh, very much trying to finish a, a, a project that I started five years ago. Okay. Uh, that I probably will finish uh, by by the end of this year. Oh wow! Okay, that's great. That's great. So you mentioned yeah. COVID, and you mentioned kind of the role reversal that or or, or royal role change, I should say, that you had in COVID. What did you get out of that time period? Oh, I got so much uh, closeness and in- intimacy w- with the family. Yeah, yeah. The four of us, it's been, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, and uh, I discovered that I could build stuff uh, by watching YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> I built a bunch of, I built uh, fences for our pool, for wow. our vegetables. For I mean, it's, it was just uh, for our uh, chicken coop. So you know, it's been uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's not cool. A, not but not for music, but uh, for everything else, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great because I, you know, I, I had a similar experience. You know, I I was talking to someone recently about that very thing, and that you know, as as much of a drag as COVID was for me, I found it great that I could sit with my wife and daughter at. And just be in the moment, right? Play board mm-hmm. games or have have meals together on the regular and talk on the regular, right? So, yeah, as challenging yeah. as it was, there were some benefits and some value to it. So, you know, listening to your music and all the music you've made over the years, there's clearly it's clearly influenced by multiple genres and styles of music. Yeah. Like, how are you able to? You meld. You seem to meld genres and styles pretty effortlessly what's your secret for doing that how are you able to do that because i've studied all these styles yeah massively i I studied piano styles and music styles dating back to to the late 19th century oh wow as far as jazz yeah but but, but jumping all the way to herbie yeah i've studied i've transcribed i know these records i've listened to all these jazz records i've listened to and uh, all the the Earth, Wind, and Fire Ohio players mm-hmm. record in my youth and still now, of course. Yeah, contemporary jazz fusion, jazz of the seventies with with uh, a Chicoria, yeah, Stan Park, Herbie. I mean that the Crusaders. I've solidly studied that, not just listen to this this music while driving. Mm-hmm. I've sat down and really analyzed it and played along and transcribed in my what exactly what, what's going on so yeah that's the only way to do it I yeah mean, i hear some guys nowadays who, are, who haven't got a clue yeah of what came uh like before i'd say before uh, grover mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not to yeah. take anything from grover because he was awesome right but you have to go a little farther than that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you studied at some pretty prestigious places though right yeah. 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 And so how does that like now with your process for making music, like how does that clearly you're a you're a cerebral guy and an analytical guy. Right. So how does that fold into your process when you choose to make music when it's time to make music? I just sit down at the piano. OK. And I play along until something that I play grabs me. OK. I play different things. I mean, songs can come up from the weirdest places yeah but it's always by sitting down and just being in the moment and concentrating on what you do trying and, and 
playing something and say, oh, this is cool, and have the, have the vision right there to say, oh, this is cool, I can make a song out of that. Mm-hmm. It's also about that. But uh, I, I remember, I have one of my songs that's, that's called Southern Living. Yeah, yeah. The groove came to me while I was playing along that 50 Cent tune. Uh, it's, it's your birthday. Oh, yeah, I, I forget yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that's where that song came from. Wow, in the club. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, 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 and and that's that's how I, I kind of uh, then I start playing jazz scores over that, uh-huh. and and, uh, and I kept that rhythm in my mind, and I, I came up with Southern Living. So you never know where it's coming it's coming from. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Most of my battles are very organic, and they come from the romantic part of myself. Uh huh. Okay. That's really cool. So you've been on big record labels and now you have your own label. What made you to start to decide, what made you decide to start your own label? Well, because in 2006, my last label, which I loved, by the way, was Narada Records from mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Yeah. My hometown. If I could have stayed with them till the, Till I, the day I die, mm-hmm, I would. Mm-hmm. They were the nicest folks on earth, and and I made I made some really nice records with them. Some some yeah. stuff that I find listening to. But you know, when all that crashed, in, it was around two thousand six. All the all the labels were crashing left and right, and all the small labels affiliated to the big label were being swallowed by an, this company or that company. Mm-hmm. Then nobody was doing jazz. Yeah. Everybody was just doing big, big uh, uh, acts that, that are a sure thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and since then, really, it's been so de- democratized that the, the way how to put a record, put a, a, a record, that I don't, I don't feel the need to, um, first of all, because I'm already established. Right, right. Also, publicity. All I have to do is tell the people that it's out. Yeah, on a few platforms, and I can do everything myself. I can I can have the the record manufactured by a company in Philly. Uh-huh. I can have a radio promoter out of LA or Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and that's all. That's really all you need. Yeah, but proceeds, and that's the money that I spend for that, and the rest of the proceeds comes to me. Yeah, I don't want to share that with a record company that's going to do the same thing I do. Right, but right. T- of, of, of my money so if you don't mind doing the work of, of hiring a radio promoter and, and doing the photo shoot the, the graphic art and all that stuff for, for the CD it's uh, if you don't mind doing that uh, I don't see why any established artist should sign with a company with the company yeah and it's certainly now it's much more of the norm I was having a conversation with another artist not as established as you but someone who is really making waves in the contemporary jazz world and his reason for starting his own label was really close to what you said you know it's like part of its artistic freedom some of its financial freedom too though right and knowing that you can do those things now and with with the advent of technology today the ability to do a lot of those things are you know the genie's out of the out of the bottle right some things yeah. we didn't know that we could figure out you know but now yeah. like you referenced earlier learning how to build things with you know yeah. via via um youtube you can learn how to do a lot of things now that that mm. we, that we didn't we weren't able to we weren't privy to that knowledge before 
So, well, let's listen to one of your songs, one of your popular songs from your 1995 Tales from the Bright Side project. This is Okra.
All right, everybody. That was today's guest, Alex Bunyong, with his hit song, Okra. So, Alex, when did you know you wanted to be a musician? 14 years old. Wow. Okay. How'd that come about for you? I love music. I had all the, I had a, a lot of records, but at the time I still had a, my, I was still listening to my father's jazz records and, and mm-hmm. classic. But uh, it was like in the early 70s, somebody, a friend of my parents brought me a record. It was the Woodstock record. Oh, yeah. Okay. The double one. So I got in like one thing, one spot like this, one moment, uh-huh. I was just <laughs> fly in the family stone. Yeah. Santana, all that, all, all that stuff. It, it was yeah. just uh, amazing. But also, I, I started going to concerts at the Montreal Jazz Festival with my dad when I was about eight. Okay. Uh, I saw Rita Franklin there. So uh-huh. it, was, it was pretty cool. I saw Count Basie. I saw that famous uh, Les McCann compared to what? Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 1973, my uh, my uncle, Donald Byrd, came to um, came to Europe because he was playing in Europe and he was playing at the Montreal Jazz Festival uh-huh. with, with the newly formed Blackbirds. Yeah. And uh, um, but he stayed in he stayed in my village. He rented a, a small chalet in in my village, right down right down the street from where I live. Okay. And uh, I really stayed with him the, all that summer. I spent with him. Wow. Place to places, uh, and I, I love the way he spent his days. It was so regimented, and I love that. Yeah. It was first thing you do in the morning. You listen to. Uh, uh, he was listening, and he was—he had the, the scores of some symphonies by um, Gustav Mahler, or, or uh-huh. he. Then he would practice. Then he would go down to—he would rehearse. Then more practice, more listening, and then go to a sound check, and, and then a show. Yeah. And then the next day, and and I loved that, and I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. Uh huh. It's cool that you say that because the more I encounter artists like yourself, the more I've come to realize just how much you all, those of you that are successful like you, are students of your craft, you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah. I think some people have this, this notion that you're born with some skills and some talent, but I don't think people really understand how hard you guys work at your craft. It's everyday thing. Nobody knows the practicing and the preparedness mm-hmm. is an everyday thing. You yeah. cannot expect to have a career where you just uh, hang out all day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Go to the beach or watch TV. It doesn't work like that. Like, for, for example, now I'm at my piano and I was practicing before this. Uh-huh. And we, when we finish that, I'm going to be practicing uh, uh, again. So, so yeah. I, I do that. Well, you you mentioned something. We were on the phone the other day, and you mentioned that you were preparing for a gig in celebration of Bernard Wright. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, because that, I mean, Won't You Let Me Love You is one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay. Bernard's rendition of that song. And tell me about that gig and and, and what you're going to be doing there and who's playing with you and everything. Before I go into that, I can tell you that uh, uh, on that song, Okra, that we just played. Yes. That was his magnificent bass synthesizer track. Okay, that I did not know. 
and he played some uh, some really weird synthesizer, minimal synthesizer lines on the bridge of the song in the high registers. But he played one after the other. I think I think he played four lines, and they all in cu- counterpoint. And, okay. And together, it's just genius. This yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so beautiful. Everything that he played turns into gold. Yeah. You know, with all the problems that he had, he always, he never, never lost that golden touch. Yeah, yeah. That's why I wanted to, uh, I wanted to choose this song. But uh, anyway, the, the the celebration of of his life will be at the City Winery on August twenty nine. The City Winery in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marcus Miller will be here. Wow. Yeah, Spaceman, who's a guitar player who played with Miles. Uh huh. Um, it's going to be a, a whole bunch of people. Wow, wow. Um, Akeem, uh, oh, yeah. Bummer. So it's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, Nona Hendrick there. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's one yeah. heck of a show. That's one heck of a show. That happens to be my birthday. Uh, man, I should try to get to New York for that, you know? <laughs> That's going to be a hell of a show. I, yeah. I, I tell you, you know, it's interesting. I, I've, I've, Speaking to musicians like you, I've heard multiple musicians mention Bernard Wright. And as someone who, I don't know that he ever, if people understood just how great he was, you know? The people who knew him, yes. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's, you cannot, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, I mean, he's playing on his first album, for example, when he was like, what, six, 16? Mm-hmm. It's a to uh, play like that at 16 in 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's listen to another one of your songs. One of the songs you sent us, I'm going to ask you to help me pronounce it. Is it Scirocco? Scirocco. Scirocco. Tell us about that song. Tell us about the name. What does that name mean? And what, what is the origin of this song? Uh, the, it's just a, uh, it's, it's a cool name. Scirocco is a very hot wind that comes from uh, uh, the Sahara, the North African Sahara. Okay. Uh, goes through the Mediterranean and comes to France and, and Spain and dries everything up because ah. it's so... So <laughs> that's the... And it was just a cool name. It was also uh, the name of a sporty Volkswagen car of the 70s and okay. 80s. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's listen to Sirocco.
right, everybody. That was that you just heard today's guest, Alex Bunyan, with his song Sirocco. So, Alex, we have this segment that we do on each show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. Okay. So, if you're about it, it's something you like. If you doubt it, it's something you're not feeling. Can we get you to play? Yeah. All right. So, let's do it. I started this body If you bought it, get them up. I mean you body body. That I mean you body. body. We say you body body. Uh, I represent. I doubt it. All right, Alex, we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to get you a category. All right, your category today, Alex, is hobbies, all right? Mm-hmm. Bout it or doubt it, art collecting? Doubt it. Doubt it, okay. Not your thing, huh? No. Yeah, okay. okay. I'm very, uh, I like as little stuff as possible around me. Gotcha. Okay. I, I'm kind of like you. I, I don't, I, I like art, but I don't, I can't operate when there's too much around me. Like I gotta, yeah. I gotta have, I gotta be able to see everything and, yeah. and not have clutter. So I understand that completely. I understand that completely. And that probably, to me, I think it helps keep my mind clear too. So I feel you on that one. All right. How about another one then? About it or doubt it? Gardening. Oh, about it. About it. Okay, talk to us about that. That was a, a, a pandemic project. We, we built a, a, an incredible vegetable garden. Oh, cool. Uh, backyard. Uh-huh. It's like 15 yards by 10. Wow. What are you growing? The first year, we had uh, way too, many, too much stuff. We had too much greens that we couldn't eat enough of that green, and they went to flowering, so that's when they get really bitter. Okay. This year, we have uh, uh, lots of uh, zucchinis, um, cu- cucumber, and we have an, a jungle of tomatoes. It's, okay, okay. It, we grew during the winter, we grew uh, shallots and garlic. Uh-huh. We have, it's got to be like a, over a thousand head of, of shallots. Oh, wow. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So I take, it, I take it then you, you guys do a lot of cooking then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We also have potatoes. Okay. Okay. Any certain styles of cuisine that you lean to, lean to when you're cooking, you and your family? Yeah, mostly, you know, I like Italian and French. Okay. This is in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's your what's your go-to dish when you want when you're making dinner and you're trying to make one something special? What are you making? Oh God, I can make so many uh, so many different things. I can I can uh, make roast. Uh, roast in, in rosemary. I, uh-huh. I can. I make ratatouille. I can ah. make uh, osobuco. Okay, okay. So you know your way around the kitchen. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. So you're usually in a normal year. You're on the road quite a bit. Like in a normal year, about how many tour dates are you doing in a year? Maybe uh, uh, I would say seventy-five to a hundred. Okay. Dates. What are the things you like most or least about? That's a lot of dates. I mean, that's a third of yeah. the year you're on the road, right? It's just mainly certain weekends. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So but what I like, well, of course, the 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 traveling is really hard mm-hmm. these days. But uh, in you know, in my case, I I try to make myself as as comfortable as I can. So I buy certain certain amenities that let me go through everything yeah that's where i can so so i only fly with delta so i can I'm, i have a good status with delta yep usually bumped in first class or or stuff like that mm-hmm. i bought um tsa pre-check 
Yeah. So now I, I, I go, I go through security like poof, like yeah. this. Yeah. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So, so, but that, that's that remains the 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 most stressful part of touring because also you never know what's going to happen with your flights. Yeah. And in in our case, if we don't play, we don't get paid. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So even if if it's the airlines who messed up or the weather, we don't get paid. So this is, there is always an element of stress there when you travel. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. How are there ways that like when you are, after you've traveled, are there, are there places, are there venues that you just love going to that you love playing and experiencing? I like some of these uh, summer amphitheaters. Okay. Like the, the Shane Park renamed Aretha Franklin Arena in Detroit. Yeah. The one, there is one in the Fraser Pavilion uh, near Dayton, Ohio. That's really cool. Okay. Mabel House Amphitheater in Atlanta. Yeah. I love, so it's, it's I, I love these places. And I also love my stint, the Blues Alley. Uh-huh. I was, uh, in 2020, it was going to be my 25th anniversary uh-huh. on the Thanksgiving weekend, and they it was I couldn't do it because of COVID. Ah, uh, yeah. So I stopped at 24, but I'm going back this year. Good. We don't count COVID. That's my 25th anniversary this That's year. That's all right. Congratulations, congratulations. So when you're on stage, like, what are you wanting to see from the audience? What are you hoping the audience takes away from one of your shows? I want them to enjoy themselves and and to know that they got their money's worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most I can ask, I can ask for. Yeah, I do not expect or, or demand a certain, you know, either clapping or yelling from my, yeah. from my audience. I just want an appreciation for what we do. Yeah, they do a, a yell and stomp and do that. That's fine. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, I, I just saw you recently at Country Club Hills in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be playing our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival in Milwaukee in a couple of weeks. And at Country Club Hills, when you were on stage, I was just looking around at the audience, and there was a lot of there's a yeah. lot of that going on. You know, everybody was grooving, everybody was into it, right? You guys put on a heck of a show. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So, what are you like just before you're about to go on stage? Are you excited? Are you do you get nervous anymore? Are you just ready to do it or no, I I never get nervous unless I have um, one of my peers whom I really admire. Okay, okay. Time I get nervous. Okay. But generally, I I, uh, I play with the same people or the same combinations of people for for a number of years now. Yeah. And there is certain chemistry with those three, this one from here and these two from here, and I I know I remember the chemistry that we had on stage last time we played. Yeah. So, excited about because yeah. i know it's going to be magic between the, between the between us yeah yeah that's what I really really look for yeah and it always translates into the audience mm-hmm. it does they can feel it they can feel it if we have chemistry people can feel it they can then know what is right there is no they, doubt about that yeah. I, I was just having a conversation with someone about that very thing in that I, you know, I think house bands can be good, but I much prefer shows where an artist is playing with their band, right? Yeah. Because I, you can tell the difference. Like, you, transitions are smooth, and 
Yeah. You zig, your band knows when to zag, and and they, you know, you know what each other is gonna do sometimes before the other person does it, right? And I think that just makes for a, a more fun experience. I mean, the live experience, it's never, it's always a unique experience, right? But I think it's so much more fun when the artists playing together, yeah, have that familiarity. Uh, absolutely. So when you're not making music or running your record label or working that garden, how do you spend time? I'm with my kids. Yeah. I okay. mean, my kids and my wife and my kids, uh, we, we just do stuff together. That's cool. Cool. That's My life is only and all about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you said you have a six-year-old daughter and you have two kids, six, right? Soon to be three son. Okay. Yeah. So... Do they do they have any sense of of who Daddy is? That Daddy's famous, a famous musician. Uh, they, they saw me on stage. My daughter saw me on stage uh, uh, last year at Reorbeth Jazz Festival, and she remembers. Uh, she knows I go I, when I go when I leave. I go I go play piano for people. She talks. She okay. stays. Okay. Um, okay. And she was like so excited, almost like embarrassed to see me on stage at Reorbeth. <laughs> doing what is it doing up there playing piano <laughs> that was that was really fun to see uh i bet it was i bet it was does she have any musical leanings at all yet or either of your kids you see anything yet she leans uh she's lisa was really creative as a six-year-old okay yeah she's not, yeah <laughs> but she she seems to be able to um make little tunes and songs mm -hmm. with with words about any situation that she's into. Yeah. Like if the first time that I uh, noticed that was a couple of years ago at my brother's house in Switzerland and she was playing piano and my brother's dog came by and she stopped. She looked at me, you want me to uh, sing a song about the dog? <laughs> wow. She sang a song with the piano doing nothing, you know, f funny stuff. Yeah. And, it was rhyming somehow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it, it, it tells me that she might have a lot of talent to, to write songs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And she wants to play piano. Absolutely, she wants to play piano. Okay. It's kind of cool. I have a daughter who's 16, and when she was eight, she made it very clear that she wanted to be a singer, primarily on Broadway, she said, right? And I tell you, that has not wavered. That has not wavered. Like, you see it early on, and she has just been practicing her craft. We have her with a good vocal coach. And, you know, it's cool to see your kids developing, you know? It's a lot yeah. of fun. That's great. Yeah. That's great that that's a good way to, that's a great way to spend your time. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you, Alex? I don't know why. I have these two kids, six and three, and I also have a 42-year-old daughter. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it is spread there. Yeah. My older daughter loves the kids, so she keeps them uh, sometime at her house overnight. Okay. Fun. So that's that's something that um, uh, some people might be... Uh, yeah. Might be... Uh, uh, it's, it's a fun fact. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh, the only uh, uh, activity slash hobby that I have is archery. Oh, wow. Archery. Okay. And uh, uh, mostly traditional archery with uh, longbows and, uh -huh. uh, and uh, uh, wood arrows and stuff like that. And, uh, and I do hunt deer with my 
traditional really okay okay how'd you get into that you know when i was when i was a kid we i used to you know i, I lived in the mountains and in the, in the woods and we we made bows up for fun all the time then i became a musician i forgot all about it i was in the cities touring you know beginning yeah. of your and then uh in the late 90s i moved to the beautiful hudson valley where, where i still am to this day okay and uh I started to go running in the in the mountains and the in the woods, and every time in October I used to see hunters and yeah. uh, uh -huh. out of the woods. I was like, "Oh God, I would love to do that." Uh huh. One day I was running, and uh, coming out of the bush, I said, "Hey, Alex!" And I would, I, it scared me to death. And this comes <laughs> out fully camoed with a with a recurve ball. That was one of my good friends, and I didn't know he was uh, also an archer. Okay. He, you know, he's a fashion photographer, so I huh. didn't know him. And uh, I said, okay, you're taking me to the archery shop today. I want a bow today. Uh-huh. And ever since that, that was exactly 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. And so what's the, so I would assume in 20 years of hunting, what's the, what's the, what's, what have you, what's the biggest deer you've, 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 you've bagged? Oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a, a, a big trophy hunter. Okay. I, I, I uh, hunt what nature gives me in front yeah. of me. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's mostly those and sometimes a, a nice little eight-pointer. Okay. Six-pointer. Yeah. I, before my kids were born, I used to go to Colorado to um, on on elk hunts in the, really high up at 10,000 feet up in the wow. National Forest. Uh, I haven't done that since the kids were born, but uh, I got a nice, nice elk uh, one time out of six times that I went, seven times that I went, I went to to Colorado. I was successful only one time, but I had many occasions that didn't, yeah, didn't end up the way I wanted. But it's it's still amazing to be in that in that um, environment. Yeah, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So what advice, looking back, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life? To apply yourself. Yeah. Apply yourself and be more serious than not. Okay. Okay. I was not serious enough. And that's what, sometimes I regret that. Uh-huh. I was not serious enough in, in school, in regular school. Apply yourself, whatever you choose to do, and, and do it all the way. Yeah, yeah. F A S S do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. That's a great Whatever point. Whatever do it 100%. Yeah, yeah. I always try to tell when I talk to young people, I try to tell them, you know, find something to do that you love. Yeah. There's no shortcuts, no matter what it is you choose to do. There's no shortcuts. Put in the effort. But if yeah. you love it, you'll be good at it. And you put in the effort, you'll be good at it. And if you're good at it, the money will come. So everything will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your songs. Mm -hmm. uh, that song you talked about a little bit earlier, uh, that 50, the one that's based on that 50 cent riff. Let's listen to Southern Living. Okay.
right, everybody. We just heard our guest today, Alex Buñol, and his song, Southern Living. So, Alex, you mentioned that you would go to the Montreux Jazz Festival at 8 with your dad. Mm-hmm. Do you remember some of the folks you, you saw there? Some of the acts you saw there? Oh, yeah. I saw Count Basie. That's uh, Aretha Franklin. Wow. Um, I saw Gil Evans, Miles Davis, Gary Bartz, McCoy Tyner. I discovered Mike McCoy Tyner in 1973 at the Montreal Jazz Festival. Okay. The Crusaders. Wow. I saw Miles in the 70s and Miles in the 80s. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, okay. Totally different persona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw so many, so many people. Having having witnessed so much, how how did any of that translate into your what you do on stage? I'm pretty sure. I mean, most of the people that I mentioned, I re, I, I revere and mm-hmm. I listen to even to this day. I would listen. I would sit down and listen to Miles or, or yeah, weather report uh, or, or Herbie. Uh, so yeah, of course it's 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 been uh, it's a life. It's a it's it's you're a student for life. With yeah, the I asked someone a question. A musician wants a question about retiring, and and his comment was like, "As long as there's music in me, there's no such thing as retirement." You know, and it's like it's something that you it's you have in you. You have to express it, right? You can't not express it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, can I pinpoint you on your three favorite albums of all time? Yes. Of, of all time. Of all time. Yep. <laughs> the three, oh my God. Okay. That would be uh, uh, Herbie Hancock with the Head Hunters, the first one, Chameleon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be Weather Report, a Heavy Weather. Mm-hmm. And I would say. Uh, um, uh, so it's and Fire. Oh yeah, okay. But it's it's the yellow one with Getaway, Getaway in. in okay. Uh, in it. I forget the name of it. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I tell you, we were talking about Bernard Wright. I think Jaco Pastorius is another one that I don't think people really understood. Yeah. What yeah. you know? What a talent that was. Yeah. You know. Mm. So that's another one of those. That's those are those are three great ones though. Those are three great ones. So, all right. So another question I love to ask all of our guests. You're having a dinner party. You're going to invite any three people, living and or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> they have to be famous? No, oh. they don't. They don't have to be famous. Whoever, whoever, your, whoever the three people you want at your dinner party. Man, um, I would invite uh, my friend Byron Miller, the bass player from, from Detroit by living in L.A. for... In, since the seventies, he was the the bass player on all the George Duke, the the extraordinary George Duke records. Yeah, yeah. I would have, I would have my friend Damon Dwight, uh, a Berkeley a roommate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who's on Broadway now? He's he's playing the he subs a bunch of shows. He 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 subs Tina the show Tina. Okay. He subs, he subs the Michael Jackson show. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And, DCs, I would have uh, my my really good friend who who's been on bass on on almost all my records would be Victor Bailey. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Who was with Weather Report actually? Also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's on the menu? Oh, steak or, or venison. 
Okay, okay, okay. And some uh, uh, some Swiss style pasta of uh, potatoes with uh, 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 sauteed potatoes with with the rosemary. Mm, sounds good. Ratatouille. Yeah, that sounds great, man. That sounds great. I wouldn't I'd say that's a party that would be a good time. That's probably would be a good time. So what does the rest of the year hold for you? What I know you said you got a project you've been working on for five years. You think you're going to get it finished by the end of this year? Yeah, pretty sure. I will. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. So we can expect some new music from you? Absolutely. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to that, man. Alex, I want to thank you for for taking time out of your busy schedule to chop it up with us. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks here in Milwaukee. And uh, I think your, I think your schedule will allow you to, to sneak in one of those butter burgers. If you, uh, you know, if you want to, while you're here, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if my heart can take that these days. I know, uh, right. <laughs> Good old Sally's. I remember where Narada records used to be right down the street from Sally's, didn't it? That's the that's the the people who uh, hooked me up to do yeah. these burgers. Yeah, yeah, go there all the time. That's right, that's right. I allow myself one Sally's burger a year, and it has to be after eighteen holes of golf, right? So, but only once a year because yeah, that's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, man. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And everybody, there's still a little time to get your tickets for the 2022 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival featuring today's guest, Alex Bunyon, Najee, Bob James, Adam Hawley, Gabriella Anders, Marcus Adams, PJ Spragans, Merlon Devine, and Vandell Andrew. Tickets are selling fast, so go to freshcoastjazz.com and get your tickets today. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.